the gladiator mentality and people look at us like, oh, okay, really? Right, yeah, really. Wow. What a weekend. 5-0, and oh, baby. And I got to be honest with you, still catching my breath from the Tennessee game on Saturday. But that was a lot of fun and I think a very extremely beneficial weekend for OU softball. I, I got to say, though, and I don't, I'm going to guess I'm not the only one that felt this way, but I'm a little bit surprised with how the weekend ended, seeing how it started. Uh, you run rule Cal State Fullerton, Long Beach State on Friday. Maybe those two things weren't a surprise. But then you face off against Arizona, and like, is this one of the best Arizona teams that we've ever seen? No, probably not, but it's still Arizona, one of the blue bloods in the sport. And you go out and run rule them as easily as you do. And I kind of thought after the first three games of the weekend, all right, well, it's it's going to be kind of one of those weekends where o- everyone's gunning for OU in the Mary Nutter Classic, but ultimately no one's able to really, you know, keep up with them whatsoever at all. But for the first time this season, on Saturday, adversity struck. Up 4-0 in the fourth, Jordy Ball eventually gets pulled, and Tennessee had OU on the ropes in extra innings. And OU, as they seemingly always do, finds a way to win the game. Now, our first few episodes, we've talked about it. What's going to happen when Jordy Ball faces adversity. This team will face adversity at some point, and it wasn't really a question of how they were going to deal with it, but it was going to be interesting to see what happened immediately after the first time someone really tested them. Tennessee clearly tested them on Saturday, and I think that it is great for this team. I think it's great for Jordy Ball individually, but I think it's great for this team that they finally really got pushed and really got tested. And not just tested in terms of you know, it being a close game, but, you know, OU ends up winning out in the end, 4-2, to 3-1. to one. No way. There, there was a couple of, uh, you know, bottoms of the last innings where you had to score or you were going to lose the game. And every time, seemingly, OU was put in that situation against the Vols, they were able to come through, tie the game, extend the game, and, of course, with the Jada Coleman home run, win the game in 10 innings. I don't know how Patty Gasso feels about the weekend. I'm going to guess that she loves the fact that her team really got pushed. Her team really got tested. And as they've done so many times in the past, they responded in a big way over a really good softball team. You saw the best version of Tennessee this weekend. It's a good softball team. Got a real chance to make it to Oklahoma City at the end of the year. You saw the best of what the Vols have, and you were still able to overcome it, still extend the game, win the game when you had to. And how, how fun was that? I, it's kind of nostalgic going into uh, extra innings with Tennessee. We all remember the, uh, the national championship, well, the national championship series, I should say, when that one happened. But I was actually recording kind of like a hint of, of what's to come in our next episode, a 2000 national championship team reunion episode. And the game went so long that it actually bled into the start of that episode. And <laughs> when we found out that Jada hit the home run to win the game, and you'll hear about it in, in the, the next episode coming up this week, 
We were all pumped up. We look like uh, what Jada looks like coming off the bus when she starts screaming, which is always awesome and always gets me pumped up. But really cool that Jada was the one that was able to walk that game off uh, against the Vols this weekend. So, But, I, I, again, I'm sure Patty loves the fact that her team got tested and uh, came through on the other side. I am a little bit annoyed about something this weekend. I'm sure you are, too. Just pitch to Jocelyn Allo. And I, I get it in some situations, okay? Because ultimately, what are we talking about? We are talking about the greatest power hitter this sport has ever seen. So if there's a base open at first or, you know, there, there's spots where you don't want to pitch to Allo. I, I, I get that and I understand that. But that wasn't every single situation when she was getting walked this weekend. Just pitch to her, all right? We all want to see her set the record. All eyes were on her every single at-bat. I hope this doesn't become a thing. I hope that Minnesota doesn't come in next week and OU goes out to Hawaii and she's just not getting any pitches to hit. I I don't know. I guess from a competitor standpoint, I would want to go out there, throw my best stuff at the best hitter and see if I can get her out rather than walking her. But again... I understand that there are some scenarios where you don't want to pitch to her. The problem, if you don't want to pitch to Allo, that's cool, but you're going to have to pitch to Kenzie Hansen. You're going to have to pitch to Grace Lyons. So walk her at your own risk because the hitters behind her are just as capable, just as capable for sure. Love that the Tennessee win happened. You had to turn around the very next day, the very next morning, I should say, and you win a low-scoring game against Utah. Again, more adversity, right? 2-1 to one win over the Utes. Hope is dope. That's her Twitter handle, which I laugh at and I love every time I see it. Hope Troutwine continues to have a, a fantastic year. And you beat Tennessee in the slugfest, and then you come back and win a pitcher's duel the next day. I think that's awesome. I think that's I, I think that that's a fantastic way to end a 5-0 and weekend and a 15-0 and start to the weekend that you got tested again. Again, more adversity, more close games. This team, even though they've been operating so much this year, you know, up 6 nothing when we get in the third inning, up 8 nothing as we enter into the fourth inning, playing close games does not phase this team. And I like that because this team's really good. This team has a chance to be legendary. But none of us really believe that they're just going to roll through the entire regular season, postseason schedule, run ruling everybody. No. When you run up against Alabama and Oklahoma City, when you run up against Oklahoma State and Texas and conference play and everything else in between, there are going to be close games along the way. Again, to reemphasize the point, you are going to get everyone's best shot this season. There will be close games. I love that this team hasn't really blinked at all, and maybe – even playing some of their best softball in some of these close games. So I love the way that Hope Troutwine is pitching right now. Obviously, I love the way that Jordy Ball's pitching, but I love the way that Nicole May is pitching as well. Like, pitching depth, we talk about it all the time. That's what wins national championships. And all three of those face more adversity this weekend. I keep using that word. I know, adversity, but I think that's the story of the weekend. All three of those pitchers were tested more than they have all, all, all season long, and they all came through on the other side. So I, I love that. Jordy Ball, of course, uh, was named Pitcher of the Month by Softball America. Jocelyn Allo named uh, Top Player for the month of February, so the accolades are really starting to roll in. And I want to bow down. Like If we're giving out accolades right now, I don't know what accolade it would be, 
But bravo to all the OU fans out there on the West Coast. You showed up. When I'm reading tweets all weekend long from ESPN analysts, college softball analysts, they're like, whoa, this OU-Tennessee game is packed. There are people out there saying that there were OU fans everywhere just wanting to see a glimpse of this awesome softball team. So for the way that OU fans, just college softball fans in general, showed up to this event is, is awesome. And it's just really showing how much this sport is growing. This sport is on fire right now. Make no mistake about it. This sport is on fire. And who's leading the charge right now? Well, I think your Oklahoma softball team is um, really leading the charge in that. So, Jocelyn Allo does not break the record because, well, everyone was too scared to pitch to her. But in that kind of presents an opportunity. How cool would it be if Jocelyn, uh, if Jossie breaks the record in Norman? And if not in Norman against Minnesota, how cool would it be if she gets to go back to Hawaii and break the record as well? I don't know which one I'd prefer. I think either of those would be awesome for her personally. So there's the good in that. It didn't happen in California this weekend. Whatever. OU still survives. They're 15-0. And now she's got a chance to do it in Norman or uh, out in Hawaii. So that's, that's really cool. Special guest coming up. I promised. I promised Destiny Martinez. She's going to join us. She's got a lot going on right now. Um, she's got a lot going on in the softball world. I love that she loved softball so much that she turned it into a career. So let's talk with Destiny about what she, what she has going on right now in the sport and uh, also what she thinks about this OU softball team. Enjoy. All right, super excited for this. I promised Destiny Martinez on the podcast, and now we have delivered. <laughs> Destiny Martinez is here, and she loves softball so much, she turned it into a career. She's the National Director of Softball Operations at Perfect Game. Destiny, that's awesome. I know a whole lot of OU fans were excited for you when you were able yeah. to announce this. Kind of give us an outline of what this new gig is and, and kind of what you're doing around the country with the game. Yeah, yeah. So Perfect Game, um, they were established about 25 years ago and specifically focused on baseball. So Perfect Game Baseball is pretty well known. Um, they have tons of resources and ways to get guys to the draft um, they're very successful in getting guys to college and then keeping up with them to get them to the draft. Um, but they were interested in branching into softball. Um, obviously softball, you don't have a draft that we get to prepare for yeah. yet. I know, um, a few of my teammates are working on some of that too, but, um, you know, there's, there's not a, a draft or a professional league that you can really strive for. The next level is college. And so when they kind of tapped into softball, um, the opportunity was presented to me and it only made sense. You know, I spent the last seven years working for USA softball and I love and appreciate that organization just as much as anything. Um, but for me and my career and what I'm passionate about, it was more so um, with perfect game, I could be more hands-on with the athletes and that's what I was really excited for. So what we're designing for the 22 season is we're rolling out some combines and, um, what that is, is it's basically just, um, camps, I guess, um, uh, less on the instructional side, but it, it, we're collecting a ton of measurables 
and putting it into a player profile, which essentially is going to be a one-stop shop for college or for youth athletes to be identified by college coaches. And so in a sense that um, like we, we just had our first event in Burlington, Iowa, there's a ton of talent in Burlington, Iowa, but I, I can almost guarantee you coach Gasso probably isn't going to go to Burlington, Iowa (laughs) to recruit and that's okay, but it's, it's pretty common for top coaches to um, they have their recruiting schedules. They have their, um, same cities that they're visiting and same tournaments that they're heading to, um, that there's a lot of talent that is missed out on. And so we're trying to fill that gap and provide a a resource for, um, girls nationwide to be identified no matter what team you play for. So I was fortunate enough to play on the Corona Angels in California. Um, Marty Tyson's a great coach. He's almost like a feeder to a lot of top D1 programs. Um, and there's a ton of teams like that. There's probably about 10 to 15 really good organizations, but then there's a lot of in between. And so, um, getting to kind of assist with that and, um, make sure that there's a platform for every girl to be identified is, is the end goal. And then the other thing that, um, is super exciting and you guys should probably get her on the podcast too, is Jessica Schultz um, is hired as the Mm -hmm. national scouting director. I brought her on. Um, just because our passions are aligned and we don't need the clout. We don't need the um, the big names. We just want to be able to support. And so what we're able to do is now grow the network of individuals who want to give back to the sport, who want to stay in the sport. And unfortunately, in softball, unless you're going to be a college coach um, or you decide to give batting lessons, there's not a whole lot of in between. And so that's what Jess is getting to do is grow that scouting network where now there's positions for people who are maybe former players in Kansas or former players. I mean, nationwide, wherever you are, we're providing another opportunity for them to help now give back to the game. They don't have to be giving lessons. They don't have to be on the field at all times coaching or anything like that. It's sort of a different opportunity for jobs um, within the sport of softball. So brought on, um, Jessica Schultz as the national director of scouting. And, um, and then obviously uh, the goal with her would, would be to have some credible people under her. So if she were to see an athlete in the middle of Burlington, Iowa, and she called coach Gasso and was like, Hey, there's some talent here. Coach Gasso is probably going to listen. And so that's kind of some, some, um, the route we want to take with who we bring on as a scout. And so whether if you're a former D2, D3 player, you're going to have that network of coaches that trust you as well. And so that's kind of what she's focusing on. And then I don't know, we haven't really announced this one, but I'm ready to, I want to share. Um, we hired Kelsey news Arnold. right here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Big news. Wow. Right. Kelsey Arnold. Um, yes. Great. Yes, we hired her as a combine coordinator. So she will be over all of the combines, uh, making sure everything is where it needs to be. All equipment is set. She's, she's the techie guru. She's got the rap soto information. She knows how to operate all of that, all of the technology that we're utilizing. Um, and then just as far as dealing with cities and, um, every, all the logistics behind a combine, she gets to operate all of that. So I'm really excited to have her on board too. That's that's great. And, and one of the things I think is so cool, especially from your era, is so many of your former teammates are involved in the game. Lauren's yeah. doing her thing, obviously. Aaron's kind of doing it from the broadcasting side. Uh, you mentioned Jessica. You mentioned Kelsey Arnold now. There's just yeah. so many of you that are helping grow the game right now. How fulfilling is it in your role to where you can help out a 12-year-old, 13-year-old young athlete 
really grow their passion and their love of the game when it's as, as it's as hot as it's ever been right now. Yeah, no, that is extremely important. And, and honestly, that's why you do it. I think um, at that age, especially is where you either draw kids in and get them to commit to pursuing their dreams of playing in college or you lose them. And so really that age range from 12 to 14 years old is is where I feel the most gratitude in getting to work with them. Um, because giving back to them and sharing your experience and sharing your knowledge and letting them know that it's okay, you may struggle here and you may struggle there, um, it's normal. So um, having a female-driven organization now with with the softball side of Perfect Game, um, that's really the end goal for all of the women that are on board is just to give back to that age. Um, once once you know you're, you're 16, 17, 18, that age range is very um, – more so they're a lot more, more committed. And so mm-hmm. it's really getting them to buy in from the time that they're 12, 13, and 14. And that's really where our passion lies. Yeah. Iowa hasn't been a hotbed for OU softball recruiting in the past, but I mean, you're <laughs> kind of trying to make it to where a girl that, and OU such a national brand right now in the game, but if there's a, yeah. a girl that can really play in Iowa, maybe now she'll have an opportunity to come to Norman, but California has been a hotbed for OU recruiting. Yeah. You know that as, as well as anyone else. <laughs> How yeah, did exactly. Patty how did Patty get you to leave the West Coast and come all the way to OU? You know what? So my recruiting experience, I I knew I wanted to leave California. California was not it for me. It mm-hmm. and and honestly, it sounds like it's it would be hard to leave California, but when you're a softball player in California, you are busy, busy, busy. You have every weekend to play softball. So it's not like I ever got to enjoy the beach. I never Like when I go home, it's like, we should go see the Hollywood sign. Like I'm a visitor (laughs) when I go home because those are things that I didn't get to do when I was little. Um, So leaving was not the problem. Coming to OU, I just remember um, when I was 14, I took a trip to Oklahoma for um, a national championship and, or actually it was a qualifier. So we played at the Hall of Fame stadium. It was a 14 U qualifier and I was playing on one of the top teams in the country. However, we couldn't figure out how to qualify. And we came to Oklahoma, they were giving away eight births to nationals. And we came all the way out here and we, we lost two games in a row. Like mm-hmm. we didn't, it was terrible. So we leave and it was probably the worst experience leaving. So we, we get here, the, tr- the flights were a mess. We lost all of our luggage. We lost our first two games. And then we leave and we see this, we witness this horrible motorcycle accident. And I, from then on, I was literally like, I'm never coming back to Oklahoma. I don't want anything to do with Oklahoma. Like this is awful. Yeah, it was terrible. Um, And so then I start getting letters from Coach Gasso, like come to the camps, come do this, come do that. And I told my mom, I remember, I was like, I'm not, we, we we had the worst experience there. It's just not for me to go to Oklahoma. Um, and then we ended up going to, uh, we had another trip in Kansas city or in, in Oklahoma city. Um, I think the next year, and that's when coach Gasso asked if I would take a trip before the tournament started, if I would just see the campus. And when I saw the campus, it just, I'm sure you've heard this before. You just, it just feels like home. Sure. Um, and so the one thing that set my parents off was the fact that Coach Lombardi at the time had her bassinet in her mm-hmm. office mm-hmm. and my mom for Gianni. And, and my mom was like, you know what, this is a family. This is, we feel that it's home. And um, 
I think that you kind of just belong here. And so after that trip, we had the full week of games. And then right when the tournament was over, I committed. So it happened really fast. I had no intentions on coming back to the state (laughs) just from my previous experience. But um, yeah, it felt like home when I when I visited the campus. So it it was good. I'm curious what a recruiting pitch from Patty sounds like. And she's probably always been able to do this, but more so now it's, hey, do you want to win a conference championship? Okay. Do you want to go to Oklahoma City? Yeah. Do you want to win a national championship? Well, this is probably the best place for you. Yeah. Obviously, the program had had success before you got there. But what did the campus felt like home and that was a big thing. But what Mm -hmm. was Patty's recruiting pitch to you when she was trying to get you to OU? You know what? It was it was more so just the connection we had on a relationship basis. It was it wasn't she she didn't have to convince me of anything um, really. I think the one time I was really convinced was I also took a trip to the University of Washington, mm-hmm. and on that trip, Kalani was there. Oh, okay. and so Kalani and I were both at the University of Washington, and we I think about a week later maybe she had committed to Oklahoma, and I just remember my dad saying do you want to hit off of that kid or do you want to go play behind her? And so (laughs) Kehlani going to Oklahoma kind of solidified the deal for me too. But, you know, dealing with coach Gasso, she, she's not a, she's not a seller or she wasn't then there. And, and like you said, there, there really wasn't much to sell um, accolades wise or success wise. Um, But I think it was more so the relationship and the passion she has behind what she does. That was really appealing. It, It, and it, I think even it being less of a sell was more welcoming to somebody. You know, I, I wasn't a home run hitter. I, w- I was a slapper and mm-hmm. outfielder. And so it's not like I had tons of schools knocking on my doors because I'm the best shortstop in the world or, you know, a home run hitter. So um, I think her genuine um, love for the sport and, and passion for the organization, I think, is what really sold me. So Destiny and I I are having this conversation. We're less than two hours away from OU opening things up at the Mary Nutter Classic. 95 to two so far is how much they've outscored their opponents through 10 games. (laughs) It's it's ridiculous, Destiny. I mean, I'll I'll just open it up to you. What are your thoughts on this year's OU softball team? The numbers speak for itself, but what what have you seen? You you know, it's incredible. The amount of power in that lineup, like – so on my first trip to Iowa, we had one of the scouts that was with us. She was saying how, you know, in 2013, she was a coach at Ohio State at the time. She's like, that was the best lineup I think I've ever seen. And I was like, well, have you seen this year's? Because <laughs> this right. is insane. It's it's just incredible how much power. And, um, and I think, honestly, now it's traditional and it's the legacies that are left and the passion that has been created from even – before I got there, the love for the program has always been there. And Mm -hmm. now there's just a, a winning, you know, it's a winning program. And so that has turned into a tradition that I feel like you step in there and you're just expected to work hard and be great. And, um, and it almost comes natural to a lot of these girls. I know they work their butts off, but um, that, that goes to everybody works their butts off at that, at that level. So Mm -hmm. um I think I'm ready for Jocelyn's first at bat today. We'll see how that goes. Um, and and if it's if it's not the first one, I, I guarantee it'll be this weekend. Um, but I'm excited for them. 
Yeah, it's it's the biggest story in the sport right now, Jocelyn chasing the record. But I want to ask about Lauren. Uh, Aaron was on the previous episode talking about how, you know, what she thought her role was during that home run chase being her, you know, such a good, good friend to her. Yeah. And, and it doesn't surprise anybody. It certainly doesn't surprise me, but how Lauren has handled all of this is just remarkable. She's been yeah. so gracious. She did like a 30 minute zoom with the OU media. I think she's in California this weekend yeah. To, yeah. to witness everything. It's just really cool because that, that was her record, but now that record is going to be broken by another OU softball player. Just, I, I don't just how cool she has been during this whole process and maybe probably being Jossie's biggest fan at this yeah. point. Yeah, she she definitely has handled it extremely well. And and I think that's just goes to show the type of program that has been built is it's more so not the selfishness of, oh, my title's about to be stripped, but it's more so that title is going to somebody else in our organization that is mm-hmm. also a stud who has worked just as hard and who is very deserving. Um, Lauren is a big advocate on on female success. So whatever the story is, I know Lauren's just a huge supporter of it. And, um, you know, I think it makes it 10 times better that it is still in the OU program. I don't know how she would handle it if it was not, (laughs) but, um, you know, yeah, I agree. She's handling it very well and she's very supportive and it's very genuine. Um, and I think that's really cool for Jocelyn to get to experience as well. And if that's not the biggest story, Jordy ball is, um, what would you tell her right now? I mean, she's she's been so dominant up to this point, no no earned runs, but she's also just a true freshman. And yeah. though it probably doesn't seem like it right now, she is going to face adversity at some point. So yeah. when you come out of the gate like this, is, is there any sort of advice that you would tell her as as she gets ready for a long, long career at OU? I, I think the only thing would be um you know, this is a game of failure. You're you're not always going to be at your best and you are going to have a time where you struggle and you need help and you can talk to people. I think that that is um, one thing that for every college freshman is to understand that this is a game of failure. Yeah, you can come hot. You can come in hot out of the gates and be as successful as she has been. But um, there's going to be times where she's not feeling her best. And it's okay to accept that and kind of sit back and reflect on what changes need to be made, what adjustments you should be looking for. And um, even to talk to the coaches, I think that that was one thing I, I kind of lacked is I, I wasn't a talker. I was more of like a in my own head type of person. Um, but I think just for her to know that it, you play a game of failure and it's okay to talk about it. So um, seeking help, advice, extra work, that stuff is always available at, at OU and um, definitely capitalize on it when you get to that point. I love the character and personality of this team, um, especially a couple outfielders they have right now, Lou Donahue and Jada Coleman. And as an outfielder yourself, how much fun have has it been to see – you know, Lou make a great catch in left field and like punch the wall and, and Jada, she just so like a flashy player. How, how much fun has that been to, to watch really this entire outfield with so much depth? I am obsessed with those two. I Jada, I have become so obsessed with her. Like, like I should calm down because she yeah. has been so fun to watch and um, she is a true triple threat, which I was not. So I was more slapper, bunt, get on base, steal some bases. 
and she can hit for power. And I think that that's really what I love most is she can throw everybody off. She can hit for power and she can just control the entire outfield. And that's really what I love her passion. Same thing with Donna who just how loud they are, how vocal, how fun they make the game. Um, I love this outfield. And I think that Jada and, and uh, Donahue just have so much time to grow. Um, and they, they started at the, at the best. So, you know, I, and it's crazy to think that they could still get better because they've, they've started where they were at. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see how they all grow and I, the program overall, the, the roster, the whole team overall is just tremendous. So it'll be fun. It'll be a fun year. 2013 national champ. You were all tournament team in that world series as well, but what are you most proud of from your career at OU? Oh, that's a, there's a it's lot. A one, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I'm most proud of the women that we've all turned into. I think, mm -hmm. um, just the relationships I've kept with like Lauren and now Jess and Kelsey. And we, we've got an alumni group text that is just so passionate and wanting to do things for the program. And, um, you know, winning national championships are great. They're a lot of fun. There's something to remember forever. You get a nice ring out of it. Um, but it's more so the relationships that are built within your time there. And I think that everybody, that got to be a part of it has really capitalized on being um, the best woman that they can be. And that's in any capacity, whether it's you went there out of, of youth coaching or lessons, or you took on a profession or like Aaron is, is broadcasting. And I know Amber Flores is in Seminole state, Brittany Williams is coaching, you know, so everybody has stayed dedicated to the game and has become really great. Um, leaders in the sport. And um, I think that's the the thing that I'm most proud of. Um, I think one thing that just being a part of the program, um, my faith was, was made bigger, um, I guess. I, I was baptized in Coach Gasso's swimming pool. Um, wow. So just, yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. Um, so things like that, I think just characteristic traits are huge. Um, but I think off the field is is what I'm most proud of, probably. Yeah. I don't know how UCLA or Alabama or Florida feels, but if I, if I were associated with those programs, I'd be really worried right now because OU's already been dominant here, just a dominant stretch recently, but a new stadium's coming. They're going to the SEC soon. I think that that's going to open up even more opportunities. I don't, I don't see this program slowing down any time soon, Destiny. And I think you could probably make a pretty strong argument that maybe, even though it's crazy to think, maybe the best days are still ahead for the softball program. Yeah. No, I'm 100% with that statement. I think that there's um... – you know, going to the SEC, people are going to have opposite views because they're not used to that much talent in conference and blah, 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 blah. But I think the the thing that goes to show that they can compete in the SEC is the fact that they're in the World Series every year um, with those teams and they're beating those teams. And so, yeah, um, 
it might be a little bit tougher earlier in the season for them. But, you know, Oklahoma State has really stepped up. Texas has has produced some good teams. And so it's not like they're not getting any competition. And and I know some people are, are acting like once they go to the SEC, it's going to be blowout after. Like, that's not – I don't think that's the case at all. Oklahoma State has been a true challenge lately. Texas has been great. And, and I think that once we get to the SEC – it may be a adjustment um, and competition may have to. And that's the other thing too. I was going to say competition may need to step up sooner in the season, but that's the other thing. I think coach Gossett does a really good job of making sure that no matter who you're playing, you're playing at your best. And so I, mm-hmm. I truly believe that once we get to the SEC, they're going to be fine. Um, I, it, it sounds a little intimidating, um, but I think it's it'll be good for the program and it's only going to make them better and stronger. She's Destiny Martinez, National Director of Softball Operations at Perfect Game. She's also the best to ever wear double zero at OU. All right. I'm I'm giving you that distinction because I think it's absolutely true, probably any sport. Destiny, thank you so thank much you. for joining the podcast. And uh, I know we're all excited to kind of what Perfect Game does here in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Great stuff from Destiny Martinez. As every guest that we've had on Diamond Envy up to this point, it's, yeah, I'd really like to have her on the pod again. So I'm going to guess that we get to talk to Destiny Martinez here in the future. Um, She's awesome. Really happy for her and uh, really proud that she's trying to grow the game nationally, growing the game nationally as uh, so many other former alums are. Again, mention it, but congrats to Jocelyn Allo, Softball America, top uh, player for February, Jordy Ball, pitcher of the month for February. That will not be the last time either of those two players receive that accolade. I can guarantee it. Those those two have the major storylines right now. But we got to close out having a conversation because I I, I realize that Jossie's top player for February – Jordy's Pitcher of the Month for, for February as well. Tiare Jennings might be the best player in softball right now. Maybe what she's doing is getting overshadowed by the other storylines, but I hope not because she is having a season to remember, especially at the plates. She is crushing home runs left and right not right now. And how many times – it seems like every time OU is the away team – you know, you, you log on to the game, you turn on the radio, turn it on, flow softball, wherever, and uh, there's T.R.A. Jennings leading off the game with a solo home run. Sooner's up one nothing before anyone can even blink. She is, she's amazing right now. She is kind of doing it all at the plate right now. Let's not count her outs for National Player of the Year. Seriously, again, and... All the while that Allo is, is about to break the record and Jordy Ball, maybe she turns into the best pitcher in college softball this year. But T.R.A. Jennings is fantastic. I, I cannot say enough good things about the way that she's hitting right now. And also Jana Johns. Brought up Jana Johns on the last episode, and it really hasn't slowed down for her. She's doing it in the field. She's doing it at the plate. Jana is having the best year of her softball career, and that is huge. Like This team was already loaded coming back, but if you're going to get that type of a year from Jana Johns, 
it makes OU that much more difficult to to beat right now. So just so many players up and down this lineup are hitting the ball well, playing good defensively, pitching it well. This is not the finished product for this team, which should be scary to any other softball team out there right now. But the way that they're playing and the way that they're growing as the season goes along, I think Jada is about to really hit a hot streak after the weekend that that she had this past weekend out in California. But the best version of this team, though it seems like we're, we're always looking at the final score and talking about domination, we have not seen the final version, the best version of this team yet. And let me tell you, let's go. I, I am ready. I am excited for what the final version of this year's team is going to look like. So, yeah, already previewed it a little bit, but we do have a 2000 National Championship reunion episode uh, coming up later this week. As always, thank you for listening to Diamond Envy. Hit me up on Twitter, at Tyler underscore McComas. If you got some thoughts about the pod, questions about the pod, I want to really start taking some uh, listener questions each and every single week. Maybe we'll start a mailbag. But thanks for all your continued support, not only listening, but but sharing it on social media. That means a ton to me. I, I've said it before, but it really means a lot that you are interacting with the podcast. I love that. And, uh, of course, thanks to Destiny Martinez for hopping on as well. We'll talk to you later on this week. The number one 15-0 OU softball team continues to roll on. This is the Diamond Envy Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler McComas. <laughs>